welcome to this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with Clyde Zimmerman. We're in Altoona, Pennsylvania. You're involved in a whole lot of different things, organizations working overseas, etc. Um, but one of the things I know is a focus for you is community development. What is that? Can you define what community development is? Why does it matter? And, and how can it help those in need? Community development is uh, an area I've spent a good bit of my life at in the last seven, eight years. But in terms of, if, you, if I was trying to define community development, according to the SEEP network today, there are over 15 million people within savings groups in over 73 countries, and that is in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. In short, the principles behind community development are what sometimes are called asset-based development, and what that means is what assets and resources exist within your community. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you get off an airplane, you say, wow, they don't have this, they don't have that. What if you flip that on its head and say, really, they have water, they have good fertile land, they have even a young, young people. One, one of the things that's really interesting, seeing gifted, strong, muscled young men idle, that's a resource. So the whole idea behind community development is really around what resources exist within the community that can be used to develop the environment. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a high level overview, asset-based development, utilizing resources that exist versus aid or relief or bringing something from outside the, ah. the community, so. So that's a pretty important distinction then. So it's not like we're talking about bringing something in to fix it necessarily. That's true, but it, it get, it's a very subtle thing because what is my mind when I get off the airplane? Do I have the worldview that I'm from the West, I'm from a developed country, we got it figured out, and I'm the resource? Mm -hmm. Because that's a very slippery slope. Once you start down that path, in fact, you'll probably be there unless you're really intentional to not be there. Let me, let me go back to one other point. Sure. Those 15 million uh, members in savings groups in 73 countries, there's a vast, vast quantity of organizations that are doing that. And mm -hmm. many of mm -hmm. them are NGOs, non-government organizations, governments, there could be banks, there could be Islamic foundations, there could be uh, Catholic charities, mainstream Christianity. And the focus of the majority of, of savings groups from in the world today are really around two major areas. One is financial literacy. In other words, getting access to banks. You know, we use banks in the West as a tool to get something done. And in the worldview in, in the Eastern Hemisphere and the developing world, banks are this high and mighty thing that the vast majority of the population simply doesn't have access to the traditional wow. financial system. So they're focused on financial literacy. And another major aspect is women empowerment. Mm -hmm. A lot of societies are matriarchal. And what ends up happening is these women are responsible for the home. They're responsible for the economics of the family. A lot of times the men, they're busy, they're employed, or they may be, but really it falls on the women. So. Those are two areas that the vast majority of those 15 million savings group members in the world today, that's what they focus on, financial literacy and women empowerment. Meanwhile, from Christian Aid Ministries' SALT program, that's not our focus. We get some of that by default, but that's not our focus. 
Wow, so it sounds like there's actually, there's a wide spectrum of diversity here. There are different is. groups doing this type of thing. And yeah. there's a lot of good being done. Sometimes I tend to have this view that if it's not the way I think it should be done or maybe the ideal that, that God can't use that, that's not true. <laughs> God works in ways that are just mind-boggling. Just in my small experiences is just unbelievable what, what ends up happening. So you mentioned the Christian Aid SALT program. Um, I think you're also involved somewhat with All Nations Bible Translation. Describe those projects first sure. off, and then what are they doing, practically speaking, to, to help with poverty sure. alleviation and, and yeah. so forth? Yeah, so I've worked uh, in the SALT program for about five years, and before that I had some experience in uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, before I was working for SALT, uh, but today my role is um, assistant director. I work for Gary Miller, and I uh, focus on vision and goals. So in addition to that, I, I am what we call, within the SALT world, we have something we call a, a country supervisor, a program supervisor. So I get to work with Anabaptist missions in different countries, and my focus is in Southeast Asia. And then with All Nations, I'm new to All Nations. I've been intrigued by their work for quite a while, but uh, as of January of this year, I am serving as, uh, as a member of their advisory council. So uh, we have a once a year meeting and then some other interaction on various things that is a fit. And also from the SALT side of things, I am the assigned liaison from SALT to All Nations Bible Translation. So uh -huh. any uh -huh. of their uh, members or countries that wish to use community development, uh, use the SALT program, I would end up working with them. And of course, Brian mm. Martin is the community development leader from All Nations. Wonderful. So. Yes, we've interviewed him before. So, so really, you're just kind of a, a resource to people who are doing these things and they can come to you for advice and assistance. And Is, is that maybe a Actually, way? Actually, it ends up being the other way. I learn from <laughs> them. So, so but sure. it, there is the practical aspects. We, we got this quandary. What has, what, what's your experience in that in other countries or what have other people yeah. learned from that? So it, maybe it's more of sharing of information. I've recognized we're all with some of our experiences and, and as, mm -hmm. as we ponder the countries or the developing uh, environments that we work in, you soon realize that if they would just change your worldview, things would be better. But flip that on its head. What does it take for me to change my worldview? Yeah. You tell me, maybe I'm, my whole growing up experience is Islamic uh, worldview. Mm. And you tell me Jesus is fact and truth. You tell me the Bible is true. Why believe you with one interaction, with five, with 10? How many does it take Oof. for me to change my worldview? We know it's not simple. And why do we think when when we are working in other contexts that things will change quickly. That's another major aspect of community development. We take the long view. I mean, if you're not investing for five years, ideally 10, probably community development is not the right tool for your tool bag because it take, we are interested in people wrestling with teaching with the Word of God, if you will, and slowly, slowly the, people's worldview starts to change. Well, and that, okay, so that transitions well into the next question about, you know, Matthew 28, where Jesus talks about teaching. What does that look like? I know you've done, you've done uh, well, you had sent me some messages on yeah. this, actually, you know, kind of like outline. What, what does this look like? Can you talk into that? Something? Sure. 
You know, I remember when we as a family lived in Dhaka. Dhaka is in the country of Bangladesh, has 20 million people, Whoa. the most densely populated city on the globe. And Whoa. on an evening after dark, the sidewalks are maybe eight or 10 feet wide. You can't walk. There's just too many people. And in the middle of all of that, oh my! <laughs> in the middle of all of that, it hits you right between the eyes and you say, Lord, how will they ever know about you? Yeah. How? There's so many people, how will they know? Asia specifically has 4.6 billion people. It has 60% of the world's population. There are a lot of people. What's God doing? If you chart out population in the last couple hundred years, mm-hmm. just look at the hockey stick and a proverbial graph, if you graph mm-hmm. out population. God is doing something, what is it? And at the same time, he's blessing us in the West with resources that are mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Is God getting a good return on his investment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, wow, that's a, I've never thought of it quite like that though. Yeah. But the thing is, say you go to a culture, you become fluent in the language, and, and you're there for 10, 15 years. In every culture, there's a whole host of things that is just understood. It goes without being said. And when we are new in a culture, it takes a long time to learn those things. So how can we, I'm not saying we can't play a role, but in my own personal experience, I have seen people come to the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in their culture, in their context, and they have such a burden for the lost around them. And you just watch what God is doing, and you realize that Matthew 28, 19 is way beyond our abilities, but yet God chooses to work through men and women. He still wants us to be mm-hmm. faithful. Mm-hmm. So there's a role to play, but talk about, am I going to share it with one person, then one more? Is it all about me? Or if people come to the faith and then that person shares with 10 and that person shares with 10, yeah. you know, Finney talks about that in his book and there's other people that have done those numbers. If I have a thousand people to go and share the gospel, or if I just one person just shares with a few others, one person shares with a few others. Yeah. So that's why the SALT program and community development is really focused on indigenous staff development, working with the natives and the Americans, the missionaries, the foreigners are really behind the scenes. What the SALT program today operates in in 16 countries has more than 50,000 members there's a number of countries that are in startup phase, and it takes time. But in all of those areas, uh, one thing that blesses me dramatically is just seeing uh, the Anabaptists from our communities just walking with those indigenous staff and, and just going back to the Bible again and again and mm-hmm. again. And you know, the gospel's simple. It can be lived out in every culture, but sometimes we make it complicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's really powerful. That's the last question I had written up, but is there anything else you would like to share? Yeah, you think about ways that, what can I do? What, how can I be faithful? Where's the Lord calling me? You think about that question, and, and sometimes it's this interesting quandary. What do we, you know, the small staff is very small. There's only a handful of us uh, here stateside, but 
you know, we wrestle with where should we focus our energies? And my role in goals and vision is looking forward. And I walk into my little home office every day and I say, am I working on something that we want to use a year from now, two years from now? Oh, yeah. And so we're really focusing on the future. That's our goal. That's what I, I work on. And one of those initiatives is really just in SALT teaching material. SALT at its very core is a teaching entity. And we have... Uh numerous SALT teaching manuals uh, that are used in the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere. And over the last six months, I've had the opportunity to interview most of the, the programs around the world. Mm. And what do you need? What's working? What are the gaps? Mm. And two areas came out. One was in the oral cultures, there's a lot of oral cultures. We need more material in orality teaching. So mm. maybe the SALT facilitator would be um, be able to have sketches or pictures or images that connect in their context that share a powerful Bible story, those kinds of things. So that's one area. And then on complete the other end of the spectrum is, you know, a lot of our examples in the past and our teaching content is the typical, call it the lemonade stand, you know, mm -hmm. and you see that in developing countries everywhere. Somebody sets up a little shop and, and away they go, they, mm -hmm. they're in business. But as, as People become uh, more developed and more skilled, more experienced, and we are in a global economy. We need more teaching and more content that goes deeper, mm -hmm. that uh, maybe the, the scenario is two business partners with 10 employees in a welding shop, something like that versus the, the one person with selling shoes in the marketplace or vegetables, et cetera. So we're working on that. And, in the teaching content, we have a number of writers, and the good news is writers, indigenous writers in Asia and Africa are writing stories today. Oh, and uh -huh. uh, so it's a long work, it's a long project. In some ways it's so big, you never get done. And so <laughs> it's, you look up at six months later, a year later, and you say, hey, we got some things done, but every month you just yeah. try again. And you know, so that's a real enjoyable experience. But just again, back to, seeing the Anabaptists recognize that our own worldview has areas it doesn't line up with God's word. It mm -hmm. just doesn't. But we can't see them. It's hard for us to see where our worldviews don't line up with God's word. But yet, when we get off of an airplane in a developing country, well, if they would just do X or just do Y, it seems so obvious to us. But when I think about born-again, baptized believers, you know, from... Islamic background environments, and I think, would I be comfortable bringing them to my home in America? And it actually gives me pause because I'm like, wait a minute, how does it line up with this book? How close am I living my life to this book? And that's yeah. really a sobering thought at times. So yeah. knowing that we don't have all the answers, we have the answers to the extent that they come from God's word. Mm -hmm. I don't want to minimize that for one minute, mm -hmm. but, there's areas of our lives that just don't line up with God's word, but it's hard for us to see them. And yeah. the reverse is also true. So it's like staying humble yeah. and understanding that, you know, we, we miss a lot of things as human beings, as fallen human beings. We do. Hmm. Wow. Back to one other thing. This is probably more in the beginning when we got started. Sure. You know, I talked briefly about aid versus development and I want to speak just a little bit more about aid versus development. And when you think about aid, sometimes it's called chronic and critical. 
and both are very necessary ingredients. It's just that the SALT program is not a relief organization, it's a development organization. So we have to be real with who we are, what we do, and where we fit. Mm-hmm. Um, is If there's a, an earthquake and a person loses his shelter, his water, his food, needs medical care, for me to walk up to that person's, hey, you need a savings group, a teaching program for the next year to help you. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. silly, right? But neither is giving aid or relief when folks have been in chronic poverty for generations, the right solution. Mm. Because all that does is give me a wrong view of myself in delivering that aid, number one. Number two, soon they think, well, all good things come from outside my community. And they're made in God's own image. Places I've gone all over the world and I just am astounded at the brilliance and this thing of made in God, God's own image is absolutely true. And I've not been in a place in the world that gifts, skills, sharp minds, strong muscles are there. Mm-hmm. And, and they have resources. If we deliver relief or aid, even in miserable poverty, we're telling them something. We're telling them that their minds aren't sharp enough. They don't have the resources needed. And if we just unload our dump truck on them, then all is well. And it's simply not true. So and you think about different, the different tools in the tool bag for different needs. Mm. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, there's a really good scripture. Now, the setting here was the Israelis. You think about the Jewish farmer. Mm-hmm. It's a parallel scripture, Leviticus uh, and Deuteronomy. I'm here in, Le- in Leviticus 19. There's two verses there, verses 9 and 10. You know, you think about who this scripture was written to, you think about that Jewish farmer, and I probably have more in common with that Jewish farmer than is first obvious. But mm-hmm. as Anabaptists, we have been taught how to work, we have been taught trades, we've been taught vocational skills. And in many places in the world that are steeped in generational poverty, they have not been taught. We think that's normal. That is not normal for the vast majority of the population of the world. But here comes, you know, you think about this Jewish farmer, you know, it's talking here about, about vineyards and, and, and wheat fields. I imagine this Jewish farmer has had every skill and resource that could have been had in that time in terms of how to best plant the crop, how to best irrigate it, how to best harvest it. And generation after generation, then here comes a word from the, from the priest, and it says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of the harvest. And we know what gleanings was in that time, you know, going out and gleaning after the harvest, and that's how the widows were able to get some uh, grain. And then verse 10, and thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And as if you think about that scripture, hmm. you think about these Jewish farmers were well taught, were not in poverty, were very gifted in getting the best from the vineyards and the crops. But here comes the word of the Lord saying, wait, don't go over it again. Don't glean it. When you pick the grapes in the vineyard, don't get all of them. Leave some. For who? For the widows, the poor, the strangers. 
Now, we can learn something from this scripture as well that's not said. It didn't say to this wealthy Jewish farmer, gather it up, put it in a box, and deliver it to the doorstep of the poor. There's something for the poor to do, and that is work. It was God's idea for work mm-hmm. before the fall. Now, I don't know what Adam and Eve did when they dressed the garden before the fall. I'm sure they didn't spray pesticides or pull weeds, but they dressed the garden. That was God's idea from the beginning. And work is a blessing to every population on the globe. It mm-hmm. just is, every, every people group on the globe. And you think about this scripture, and this is one we, within SALT, talk about a lot because you know not all needs are the same. And we would be silly to think that all solutions are the same. And by the way, the solution that I think of is probably not the right one. If they discover the solution, that is something that's sustainable. It might take them three years, it might take them five years to discover the solution, but when they discover it on their own, they own it and it's sustainable long-term and they can bless their children and the next generation in ways that if they just do what I said, it's here today and gone tomorrow, <laughs> it yeah. just is. Yeah. So anyway, I care deeply about some of these principles and I've seen them play out in ways that are just mind boggling, but neither do I wanna get it wrong in that if you follow this prescribed way, all is well. Because I've seen God work in ways that are just, just absolutely mind boggling. And you soon realize, why don't I just stay at home? But the fact <laughs> is, Matthew 28 is real, it says go. Yeah. So what does that look like for each one of us? And anyway, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so fascinating though. And I like the focus there on teaching, development, helping, helping people get started so that they find the solutions themselves. That's, that's really powerful. In a nutshell, that's what community development is. Mm-hmm. It's just that many of the 15 million people that are in savings groups today are not really teaching oriented or Bible-based. Uh, they're, they're, they're more of financial literacy aspect and, and be able to utilize their banking system within their country, within their sure. communities. And that's where SALT is a differentiator and a Baptist-run organization, Bible-based principle values of what are important to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and and how do we live that out in daily living, you know? So, you know, if, if I was to succinctly say what the SALT vision and goal is, it's, in, and you think about Eastern Hemisphere, Western Hemisphere, Latin America, Africa. So in Latin America and Africa, many people would profess to be Christians. You ask, mm-hmm. are you Christian? They would put, the, put their hands up. Mm-hmm. You go to Asia, very few people profess to be Christians. So SALT has, has a couple of goals. One is to professing Christianity. Why did Jesus say that? With the Sermon on the Mount teaching, non-resistance, marriage, and a whole host of things. What did Jesus, why why did he say that? So pattern what it means to follow Christ in daily living. Mm -hmm. So that's to professing Christianity. And then to those that are not Christians, share the gospel for the first time. But it's done in such a way that they learn it they hear it from their own people, their own people in their own context, not from foreigners. You've, I'm sure, read the book, uh, Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, and that author talked a lot about what goes without being said. Those people, when they're talking to their own people group, they understand what goes without being said. I don't. 
even someone that's been in the context for 10 years maybe has some understanding, but not nearly as deeply as, mm -hmm. as you'd like. Mm -hmm. But back to the SALT goals and vision, the, what I just shared is from the spiritual side of things, biblical-based teaching, to share the gospel for those that are not Christians and those that are, pattern what it looks like to follow Christ in daily living. The other major focus is financial teaching, teaching a man to better provide for his family. So mm -hmm. those are really the key aspects of, of why SALT exists. Well, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, man, I, I learned a lot. It's an interesting um, vehicle, method. Yeah, sure. But sure. SALT, while we're part of Christian Aid Ministries and SALT does operate in some cam, off-cam bases in some areas, the vast majority of them are Anabaptist franchises. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. uh, Myanmar, India, Indonesia. Uh, Bangladesh, um, Cambodia, those are all franchised. That's that's a part of the world that I focus on, so. <laughs> wow, well thank you so much for sharing. You're very welcome. It's, yeah. it's, it's easy to talk about something that's near and dear to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, thank you so much. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.